Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am so excited today. Diane, you get to welcome our fabulous friend and guest. Ah, I get, we get to talk to Tamara <laughs> Rossier, who's one of our favorite, favorite, favorite people. And I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm just really excited that you're here with us today. <laughs> so, Tam, the way we roll is we don't read bios because bios are boring, but they're great to read and they're in the show notes. So people can find out all about your practice, the work that you do, and your role. Also, make sure to include your role in the ACA because Tam is, is leadership of the ADHD coach organization that we're part of as well. So and it's more fun to have you tell us about yourself and what's most important in your bio. So why don't you just kick us off by saying kind of how did you get involved in in all things ADHD? Well, just a quick History lesson. I'm super old and I started my career um, as a high school teacher and Got in it. teacher training. And remember, I'm old. So this is like 1980s stuff. In my textbooks, I was reading about this thing called ADD. And I called my dad and I'm like, Dad, this sounds exactly like us, us meaning family. That is so funny because when I was diagnosed, I called my mom and I said, Guess what we've got? Exactly. Right? <laughs> Except he responded, no, that's a made up thing. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well. That was a thing. That was right. a thing. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. and it's still kind of it's a thing. It's still a thing, right? And so then I started teaching high school students and I found out I was really good with a certain population. You want to guess what those are? Mm-hmm. At-risk ADHD kids. I spoke their language. Yeah. I also had too much fun as a teacher. I couldn't, I looked, I kept looking around going, why am I the only one having fun while teaching high school? So, you know, taught high school, went to uh, teach at the college level, was laid off from a college dean position. And I was kind of trying to figure out what to do with my life um, in my 40s. Mm-hmm. And I met with a good friend of mine, uh, Chris and Oren Mason, and they both have an MD practice specialized on ADHD. And Chris Mason said, you know what? You would make a great ADHD coach. I said, huh, is that a thing? Like, is that <laughs> an yeah, it, thing? it's not real. It doesn't exist, but there's a whole industry around to support it because right. there's a need. Not real. Right. And so from there, I just, I found my people. Mm-hmm. And so I opened up the ADHD center of West Michigan. And now we have a whole group of people wanting to help. So what would you say is your mission? You know, it's funny. I published a book that just came out in September And the whole mission of that book, I just felt it so strongly, is to Mm -hmm. get across how much ADHD hurts us. 
because we talk about, oh, look, a squirrel. I forgot this. We're flaky. All these aspects of ADHD, but it's the emotional part of ADHD that really is damaging. Yeah, the real impact. Yeah. And so one of my areas of specialty at the center is I work with high IQ folks, high IQ, like over 120, you know, so they are the ones who are really impacted by ADHD because they're so emotionally frustrated. And Mm -hmm. if you're a female over 120, I can guarantee you're just eating a whole diet of self-loathing. Because you're just not living up to your expectations. Well, well, and here's what, you know, as another adult who was diagnosed in my 40s, who's a high IQ adult with yada, yada, what really struck me was how long it took me to figure out that all those years of everybody telling me I was smart and me thinking I was stupid and I was just pulling the wool over their eyes and they really didn't know. The truth was I was really stupid, Mm -hmm. but they kept thinking, you know, and so that danced for decades in my life. Yeah. Right. And it does have an impact. Yeah. I I remember someone's a professor telling me in when I was going to school for my master's, you know, you're smart. You should get a PhD. I remember going home saying, why would she lie to me like that? Like, is Mm -hmm. she trying to meet a quota? Like what is happening? Because it couldn't be that I was smart. And that's before, you know, I started treating my ADHD. Well, and what you're describing, and I'm just going to kind of go back a little bit to the parenting audience. It's like, there's this disconnect between the part of our brain that's smart and the part of our brain that's organized, right? And so if you're an adult with ADHD or you have a kid with ADHD or other executive function challenges, you may be super gifted and high IQ, all those other sorts of things. And it doesn't mean that you have the ability to follow through well or be organized or, you know, remember things. I mean, it's it's different parts of the brain. And I think that a lot of times even parents look at their kids and they're like, we're talking about, you know, ADHD not being a thing. Well, if they're so smart, then it can't be ADHD. Right. It's, it's chalked up as a character fault, right? Right. A behavior problem. Yeah. Talk about that. So, you know, speaking back to the parenting office, our audience, audience, thank you. Oh, lost that, that glitched majorly there. You know, something I really ask parents, please stop using the word potential. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like a four letter word. Yeah. Potential is a four letter word. I like that. And it's kind of like plan, just so you know, they go together. (laughs) Well, you know, because potential creates a space in my head and I have this great creativity to think what I could be, but most days I end up kind of sad because I didn't do the things I thought I could. So let's, let's talk about what happens when smart kids feel stupid and what do parents need to understand about that? Yeah. First of all, smart people read smart children. Mm-hmm. And so the joke I always make is if you wanted a dumber kid, they're easier to raise. You should have married differently. Right. <laughs> My so pediatrician they- used to say something very much like that. She would say, you know, you wanted smart kids. Yeah. This is what you get. <laughs> um, smart kids are the absolute worst to raise because you have to move to a different type of parenting very, very early. Right. You guys talk about that. And so they're not going to sit by and just wait to be told things. These kids are creating concoctions in your kitchen. They're blowing things up in your backyard. They're experimenting. They're a handful. Yeah. And they're so much more interesting. (laughs) Oh, definitely. But but let's be honest, dumb kids are more obedient. 
Probably. Um, I don't know any dumb kids. So I don't know any. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because I would always say to my kids uh, when they're like, mom, we're bored. I'm like, you know, intelligent people are never bored. (laughs) <laughs> and then the boy heard that he went, Ouch, mom. he went crying home saying, Tamara called me stupid, <laughs> which he must not have been if he was smart enough to figure that out. Right. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And, and just remember, you know, my kids kind of knew my sense of humor early on. I'm sure. Early right. on, I knew. Right. So I was never really calling my kids stupid. So let's go back. When smart kids think they're stupid, I think is kind of the shortcut, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so smart kids really look at life. And by the way, males and females tend to interpret this a little bit differently. The female experience tends to say, there is something desperately wrong with me and I'm faking it. And I'm embarrassed that I can't keep focus. There's something so wrong with me. And so they kind of, now this is typically right. What I'm seeing in my practice yep generalized and they they tend to go deep yeah i went to my mom in eighth grade and i said i think i'm going crazy yes i like literally yeah and i i remember always being embarrassed that i couldn't figure out life yeah yeah you knew how to get to recess and i'm like how do you know what time recess is (laughs) and so what we want to do and you guys both just preach this so much is we really want to get to i know you feel dumb but Let's problem solve. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pause you for a second because I want to, you said girls feel like they're faking it. Yeah. How, how does it well, show they, it differently for boys? Yeah. Boys will start to explode on other people and start to, I'm not the problem. The school's the problem. The teacher's the problem. My parents are the problem. And it, it's so a little bit more. Blaming. Yes. It's, yeah. So it's a trigger response. And so, um, so the female triggered response is like going internally. There must be something yeah. wrong with me. And the stereotypical male response is it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. And those are typical triggered responses for all of us. And yeah. if I'm really going to bottom line it, what I'm hearing is girls are faking it and that's going to turn to self-harm and acting out and all kinds of, of dangerous, risky behaviors. And boys are going to turn to blaming, which is going to turn to lying and other kinds of risky well, behaviors the other, in that the other direction. Thing I would say Am is I right? That's... And remember, society creates expectation. When I make these generalizations, male, female, I'm talking because of socialization issues, right? And so I was just working with a surgeon who's in his 40s, newly diagnosed. He was a smart boy and he got a pass for being smart, but disorganized. Yeah. Right. So he walks into a surgical team and says, hey, guess what, guys? I have ADHD. Y'all need to kind of take care of this. His wife, who's also a surgeon, found out that she had ADHD. Yep. Both of them. Yeah. Freakishly smart children. She didn't want anyone to know about her diagnosis. Hmm. And this this is socialization. And so how we socialize around ADHD is very interesting. So, yes. So the boys just kind of keep, I didn't do it. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop looking at me. It's somebody else's when problem, it might be not mine. Somebody else's problem. And the other thing that kind of comes in, there's avoidance, right? It's just sort of, they kind of skirt around it and let's not even talk about it. It's not, look away. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> These are not the drones you seek. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, that's exactly, especially the more charming the boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's go back to where you were going, which is the sort of what to do instead, right? And you said, I, I know you feel dumb. You're talking to the daughter, right? I know you feel dumb. I'm going to flip you because you said, but, and I'm going to suggest you say, and. Right. Actually, 
I want butt there. Butt would work there. Yeah. Because you're, you're not dumb. Exactly. But that's yeah. not the truth. Right. And we have to keep putting the truth in front of the kids and say, oh, honey, we know this isn't the truth. And I'm going to speak. I'm going to keep putting the truth in front of you. The thing is, we need to problem solve. And so let's get really good at problem solving. So before the problem solving, I know you feel dumb, but that's not the truth. What is the truth? Before you You get to problem solving, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, the problem we're trying to solve is whatever is making us feel dumb, right? Okay. So me trying to work a calendar is like splitting an atom, right? I feel so dumb anytime I'm having to schedule. I'm with you. Yes. Totally. So you're not dumb. That's not the truth. The problem is the calendar, not you. And so we're going to redirect this to let's problem solve around the calendar. And by the way, I tend to add, just because you guys know my sense of humor, we're ill-adapted to the modern world. And calendars are in the modern world. (laughs) And if we had different brains, if we were hunting gathering, let me tell you, I would get the most whatever we were hunting because that would be fun and exciting. I'd be leaping out of trees to do this. <laughs> I but love calendars that. don't have anything for us. So that's part of the modern world that we have to adapt to. They're not going away. And so, so then let's problem solve calendar. And so for females, especially, I'm trying to remove it. It's not them. Yeah. Now, I did just the opposite with males, though, um, because males... <laughs> tend to have the explosive. It's never my fault. I start with, it is your fault, but let's take responsibility and problem solve that. Again, eventually I'm trying to take it away from them, but with them, I usually say, no, 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 no. You yelling at your mom like that. That's not okay. That's not who you want to be. Let's solve the calendar issue. I love that. That's not who you want to be. And I do a lot with that as well. This holding the vision for the kids of what do they want for themselves, which is different from what you were saying earlier. It's not about you have the potential or not. It's about how do you want to be? How do you want to manifest? What does that look like for you to be? You know, all my daughters have ADHD except for one. And when Brooke was in fourth grade, we found she was shoving all her homework to the bottom of her backpack. Yeah. And she really didn't have the capacity to figure out how to do it all. I had a newborn and so she just didn't want to bother me with it shoved. And so I pull out these accordion things and and I remember talking to her saying, honey, I love you. And I want to walk with you on this. I can help you. And I said, but shoving them to the bottom, that's like, well, I said, you're lying. When you say you don't have homework, do you want to be someone who lies or do you Mm -hmm. want to be a problem solver? And she looked up at me with big blue eyes and said, I want to be a problem solver. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I remember I started crying like, me too, honey. And so ever since then, we had a choice to become a problem solver. I love that. Do you want to be a problem solver? And here's what, I, what I'm hearing in that is that you helped her see before you were solving the problem, the problem wasn't her. Right. Right. The problem was the homework or the calendar or the whatever it was, but it was the thing and not the child themselves. Yeah. So when I'm working, I'm doing a lot of working with families. I ask families, entire families to imagine three buckets. There's an ADHD bucket, a personality bucket and a character bucket. And I have most control over the character stuff, but me screwing up a calendar 
that's not character. That's, that's in the ADHD bucket. And so we try to separate these the best we can. Me being strong-willed, that's not ADHD. That's smack dab in my bucket. Now, am I oversimplifying? Of course. But it does help when I work with students, especially saying, okay, wait a minute, let's go back to that character bucket. What do you want in that bucket? Mm -hmm. Integrity seems important to you. By the way, I love working with ADHD smart kids because they really want integrity. They want courage. It's just wonderful working with them. And I'm like, so what do you want to show on a character bucket? And so let's dig in that character bucket. And if it's integrity, let's be honest that we're lousy at the calendar or task initiation, you know, whatever the task we're trying to solve. So, well, you know, Sam, I, I, no, I kind of want to go, this is the direction I want to go is the kids who, cause I don't know how old Brooke was when you were having that conversation with her, but it's got a lot of parents of teenagers, right? And there's all of this baggage that's been built up and all these habits and built up. And they're now at a point and there's conflict and there's all this other stuff. And what you're describing sounds kind of panacea when your kid is, you know, not doing any of their work, they're, you know, avoiding homework, they're shut down. I mean, all of those sorts of things. And it's, and it's because of these things, right? Yeah. They don't so, know how to fix it. So I work a lot with teens. Um, I don't take, I'm not taking new students right now, but I work, I, the teens I've worked with, I've worked with for a while. Number one thing I've heard, I've heard from them. And I heard from high schoolers when I taught high school is they want a relationship with their parents. Right. So I'm begging parents, stop, just stop the parenting and build the relationship. If that's broken, rebuild it. Yeah. And if that means going on a road trip with them and just talking, um, I can hear some parents going, well, I'm not their friend. Is that the only choice we have for a relationship? No. So, so the number one need that I really see now it comes out in really broken, ugly ways. I was working with a student who stole his parents' van refused to come home. Uh, He was trying to get their attention. And yes, that was bad. That was a jerk move. But later on, when I talked with him, he's like, I just want them. I just want us to really talk. I want them to stop talking at me. Yeah. And 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 the parents are good people, right? I'm not putting the parents down. They're good people. Well, this, I mean, what you're, you know, this is the reason we all get along so well is because we, we really teach the same thing. And you know, in our work, we teach a framework and four phases and teaching parents how to get out of that director mode where they're talking and start teaching them how to ask and engage in a role. And that's work, right? That's the work of the parent is to stop parenting our 15-year-olds like they're five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Right. And the smarter the kid, I think the sooner that transaction happens or yeah. transition happens. Yeah. So there are times this, my first client today is 12. And wicked smart, and her parents are still talking at. Yeah, and that's the shift. I love that. So I know this is going to be hard to believe, but we are. We need to start wrapping up this conversation. So Tam, tell us how people can find you and find out more about you. They can go to tamarosier.com and that will lead. And that'll you. be in the show notes, so you don't have to spell it. <laughs> It'll you. be there for you. Yeah. You caught me because I'm like, ah, oh, do I need to spell that? I mean, I do know how to spell my own name to be clear. Yeah. Also, just tell them what ACO is and, and how to find out about that as well. Yeah. ACO is ADHD Coaches Organization, and we are a membership organization for coaches. 
we do two major things. We promote the professionalism of coaches and uh, we help other people find their ADHD coach. And so if you're looking for an ADHD coach, you can go to uh, ADHDcoaches.org. And your book, don't forget that. Let's make sure we put a plug in for the book. Yes. And I just wrote a book called Your Brain's Not Broken. And yeah, and that was my hope in that book is really that people will find out there's really nothing wrong with you. You just have a different sort of brain. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Yeah. So what did we forget? Like we've, we're, we've talked about so many things, but so few things all at the same time. What, how do we wrap this up? What's most important to wrap up with us, Tam? I, I really want to encourage parents. Parenting is hard, but you know, the three of us have been parents and we know how precious of a task that is. And so really go after the relationship and build the relationship, get to know your kid as a person. And, you know, I think we have the kids we're supposed to have. And so really maybe relax a little bit. I mean, I can say that because all my kids are in their twenties now and I'm like, whoa, they made it. Um, It feels so good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But I wish I could go back and tell myself, hey, it's going to be okay. Build that healthy relationship and the rest will fall into place. It's so true. I mean, like we could not echo that enough. Build the healthy relationship and the rest will fall into place. It's foundational. That doesn't mean it'll all go exactly the way you want it to, or you think it's going to, or, but it will fall into place and they will find their path. That's exactly it. Yeah. All right. So final moment, is there any favorite quote or motto that you would like to share with our audience? Kind of our fun wrap. Just a quick explanation. Um, It's not a deep one. It's the motto my kids knew me by as a parent. And remember, I'm a Gen Xer. So my motto raising kids was, well, honey, I don't know what to tell you. Life's hard. Get a helmet. (laughs) um, It's actually from a Boy Meets World sitcom. And I'm not terribly proud of that. That's my, you know, other people have mottos from deeper places, but Life is hard and we do need helmets. I I cannot tell you how much I love it. Uh, you know, just so you know, <laughs> our motto in my family is do stupid smart. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of right there with you. Once again, life's a hermit. Life's hard. Get a helmet. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tam, for being with us today. It's been a great conversation. We have so much in common and I love what you're doing in the world. Thank you for that. Oh, and I, I, and I appreciate the conversation about, about when smart kids feel stupid and how to begin to shift that dynamic. Cause it's really, really important. And that's most of the kids in our audience, right? Yeah. Sorry. You were saying, go ahead. Oh, I just, I love seeing the both of you guys. I love what you do. So, so thanks for having me. Uh, truly a pleasure. And to those of you listening, thanks for, for tuning in. Thanks for being here and, and engaging. Know that, that what you do for yourself and your kids makes a huge difference. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.